We're going to start a new sermon series today, a new message series. Um, we just finished one through the book of James, which we called Nuts and Bolts, which was pretty, um, honestly, kind of black and white. He was telling it like he is. It's one of the reasons we, we love James. This series I want to call Forever Young. Now, some of you will, when you hear that, think of Rod Stewart, and you won't be able to say forever young. You'll just kind of say it like, forever young, right? Was that, did that sound like Rod Stewart? Some would say my voice is as bad as his, but that's another conversation. <laughs> Checks give me no. <laughs> but I want to talk about, over the next few weeks, what it means to stay young, I want to talk about this for a couple of reasons. It's no fun getting old. Some of you know that better than I do. I mean, Adam here, he's got this thing on his wrist. I said, what do you do? He said, I'm just getting old. It's no fun, is it, Adam here? It's no fun getting old. And what if we could stay young? And I want to talk about this because Jesus' invitation to every one of us is that even though the very first breath we take is a breath towards death, when we follow Jesus, when Jesus comes alive in us, when we become his children before a faithful father, we are becoming and we stay young. Has anyone seen the movie The Curious Case of Benjamin Button? Has anyone seen that movie? I just find it fascinating. I'm not as fascinating enough that I'm going to go back and read the book, but I might watch the movie again, right? But the premise of this movie is there is a guy in it, played by Brad Pitt, who is born old. And throughout the course of his life, he gets younger. Now, it's a weird, mess-with-your-brain kind of movie, but on one level, it makes a lot of sense. We could actually live our lives a lot better if we lived them in reverse. But this movie, of course, is fiction. But there's a very real sense that while we can't live as Benjamin Buttons in our physical body, getting younger as time goes by, Jesus and his remarkable, reversed, kingdom invites us spiritually not to get older, not to move towards death, not to become more bitter and confined and all that stuff that often happens when we lose things with aging. But he invites us to become younger, to become, if you will, spiritual Benjamin Buttons. So this is what we want to talk about over the next few weeks. How do we stay forever young? There are lots of ways that people in our world are trying to stay forever young. A little bit of surgery, a little bit of Botox, but it doesn't work. Maybe some new outfits, some new clothes, but have you ever seen a 50-year-old man in skinny jeans? It doesn't work. We want to stay young, and unfortunately, physically, there's no way to do that. 
But spiritually, the invitation of Jesus is that as we follow him, we become like children. That's not an invitation to become childish, as some interpret. It's an invitation to become childlike. So Jesus says this in Matthew 18. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and they said, who's the greatest? Who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Jesus called a child to him and the child stood among them. And he says, truly, I tell you, unless you turn around, unless you reverse this cycle that you're in, and become like one of these children, then you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Let me tell you, anyone who welcomes a child welcomes me. Anyone who violates a vulnerable child, it's better if they didn't exist. Jesus is making this invitation here that if we want to follow him, we can become forever young as we become a child and he becomes our father. How do we become a child again? First of all, let's be very clear on how it starts. John chapter 3, Jesus says this, if you want to enter the kingdom of heaven, then you must be born again. You must start again as a child. You must be born again, not as someone born of the flesh, because we know the flesh gets old and dies, but you must be born again, someone who's born of the Spirit and lives like a child. Being forever young starts by being born again. But in this passage, Jesus is talking to the disciples those who've been born again, those who've decided to follow him, those like us who are getting older in their lives, but so often think that we need to get older in our spirits as well. It's the disciples that have been born again that come and ask this incredibly immature question. You would have thought that after hanging around Jesus for all these years, they would have realized that following Jesus doesn't necessarily mean that our spirits grow old. It means we become young. And so they ask this question, who's the greatest? Who is the greatest in your kingdom of heaven? Now, now in some ways, this is a, Legit question to ask. Because a few verses earlier in Matthew 17, Jesus has just said, hey, I'm going to my father. I'm out of here soon. I'm going to die. And so maybe there's something redeemable in this question because maybe they're saying, hey, we're onto a good thing here. Who gets to lead that? But that's not how they ask the question. They ask the question... Who's the greatest? Who's the most esteemed? Who's the most privileged one? It's a very insightful question. It tells us so much about them. It tells us that they believe 
that in order to follow the way of Jesus, then we need to set up a structure and a way of living that mirrors the world. One where the greatest has the most power. One where the greatest is attributed honor and worth. And it's a really revealing question because as the disciples are asking it, Perhaps they're saying, like many of us say, man, if I can become the best, then I'll get what I want. I'll get what I need. I'll be able to check the box that says I am someone. I've made it. Because we think that power and success and greatness is the best that there is. That attitude is an attitude that's not going to keep them young. That attitude, that question comes with a whole lot of stress, a whole lot of performing and posturing, a whole lot of worry. Jesus says that's not how it works at all. But I get it. And I'm sure you get it as well, because in our lives, often buried beneath the surface, there's this question, how do I become better? How do I become greatest and greater? I was reading a story this week about a monk called Thomas Merton. He's a very famous monk. He wrote some classic literature And he tells of the story about someone who reached out to him and said, hey, I'm putting together a book about the greatest monks, and I'd like to interview you for it. He ignored the request for a few weeks, and the request kept coming, will you, will you, will you? And he said, my friend, live your life. Do what you got to do. Be anything you like, a madman, a drunkard, of any shape or form. But at all costs, avoid one thing, being the greatest. Because he knew that worldly greatness is not good for our soul. The disciples are getting the question wrong. So how do we stay young? Jesus pulls a little kid into the circle, which would have been quite scandalous. And I imagine his kid felt very exposed. Some say that this kid was Peter's son because the conversation was happening in Capernaum near where Peter lived. Maybe it was Andrew's son, some speculate. Some suggest it was a guy called Ignatius of Antioch who grew up to be a Christian pastor, a writer, and a martyr. And in his death, he was given the nickname Theophorus, which means God carried him. Some think because he was the child in this moment. But Jesus pulls a child, and this child becomes exhibit A for what it means to stay forever young. And Jesus says, if you want to be great... You have to turn and become like a child. Not just become, 
But you first have to turn, turn from what? Turn from this attitude that longs and lusts after greatness and power and success and fame and money and all that stuff. He says, if you want to live forever young, first you have to turn from that and then you have to become like a child. A child who is completely dependent on the parent. A child who lives in wonder. A child for whom everything is new and exciting. A child who is quick to forgive and forget. A child who can only learn because he doesn't have anything to unlearn. A child who can only do because he doesn't have anything to undo. Jesus says if you want to stay young, the first thing you got to do after you've been born again is you've got to turn and become like a child. And if you don't, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. That's a harsh word. What does Jesus say, say when, he, when he says, unless you become like a child, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven? I think he's saying this. I think he's saying the entryway to heaven is too small for your ego to get through the gates. And when we're clamoring to be the greatest, when we're clamoring to be the best and the biggest and the most successful and the most influential, as a part of that grows, develops an ego which has no room in the kingdom of heaven. Jesus says, you've got to become like a little child. If you want to stay young, you must turn and then become. Turn and then become. Jesus continues, verse 4. Let me tell you how this works, he says. Therefore, whoever humbles himself like this child, he is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And you must not despise these children, and you must not despise this childlike faith, you must embrace it because as you embrace it, you are welcoming me. The second thing that Jesus is saying here about what it means to stay young is not just that we stay young spiritually by turning and becoming, but we stay young by pursuing humility. Digging deeper, that's what it means to become a child that we humble ourselves. We don't pretend we've got it all worked out. Well, we don't pretend we know what we're doing. We're not on this, this ladder climbing expedition to get more and be more. No, we're humbling ourselves. There's this great progression that the Apostle Paul never talks about directly, but we see it in his life. God bless you, Walker. That was a Walker snore. You know, it's funny. Whenever I'm in church and I hear a snore and it's a dog snore, I'm okay with that. <laughs> it's the people's snores that worry me. 
But the Apostle Paul talks about this process in his life indirectly about how he becomes humble around AD 55. Paul, this powerful man who spent the first half of his life trying to and succeeding almost at becoming the greatest, said, I'm the least of the apostles. That was about AD 55. In AD 62, about several years later, when he wrote to the church in Ephesus, he says this. He says, I am the least of all the Lord's people. In fact, he says, I am less than the least of all the Lord's people. Then in the late 60s AD, when he's writing to Timothy, he says, I am the worst of all people. Now think about this. This is the Apostle Paul who wrote two-thirds of the New, New Testament. What a guy! And as time progresses and he grows in his faith, the way that he describes himself becomes more humble because he's not climbing a ladder to get to God. He's climbing down the ladder of his own ego so he can humble himself. Does that make sense? In AD 55, he says, yeah, I'm pretty bad least of the apostles, I need grace. Seven years later, he says, I'm less than the least of all believers. You can tell he's climbed down a rung. And just before he dies, he says, let me talk about sinners of whom I'm the worst. What's happening with Paul? He's climbing down the ladder in humility, not climbing up it in his ego. You see, what happens and what Jesus is modeling here is that when we humble ourselves, humility reverses competition. The competition that causes us to want to win, to fight, to stand on, to step on. That competition that says, I'm better than you. I'm worth more than you. It needs to be my way. Humility reverses competition. Jesus says greatness is not about who's at the top of the ladder, who's at the top of the tree, who's at the top of the org chart. It's about the one who has humbly placed themselves at the bottom like a child. Listening, learning, forgiving, responding to the father that they know loves them. And Jesus gives his blessing to that kind of attitude. Whoever comes in humility in my name, I will welcome them. They have my blessing because they're doing it for my sake and they're doing it in my name. Greatness, Jesus says, lies in acceptance and dependence upon Jesus. Jesus is saying the most important people are not those who are climbing the ladder of success as quickly as they can unless success is marked by faithfulness. He's saying the kingdom of God belongs to the humble and those who embrace a quiet life and a simple life. We stay young by turning 
We stay young by pursuing humility, by climbing down the ladder, not up it. And then thirdly, we stay young by protecting the innocent and by protecting innocence. Jesus said it this way, and honestly, it's ugly. This is one of those scripture verses that probably needs an R rating on. And I imagine as Jesus is saying this, you can see the passion in his eyes. It says, whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to fall away, it would be better for him if a heavy millstone were hung around his neck and he were drowned into the depths of the sea. That's harsh. And it could well be, and many scholars agree, that Jesus is talking in hyperbole here. But if he's talking in hyperbole, he's using that form of speech to make a point. He's saying that children are valuable, but children are also very vulnerable. Some scholars also believe that here the conversation has shifted. He's not just talking about the little kid in front of him, but he's talking about those who are new to their faith. He's saying, don't mess with those who have a childlike faith. Don't mock. Don't corrupt. Don't manipulate. Protect the innocence of the childlike. Very practically, I think that means we got to take good care of our kids. We all know that children are the future. We all know that the future is a scary place. We must protect the innocence of our kids. I'm on a on several little teams with the school district for various things. The school district obviously is focused on kids. And so one of the teams I'm on is the equity committee. It's really fascinating as we're taking a dig di- deep dive into several areas of the school and ensuring that there is some equity and equality there. But we're coming to the stage now where we got to make some decisions on stuff, on lots of issues, some very hard issues. And so I've developed this filter within me that I'm filtering thoughts through. We must do all that we can to prevent children from experiencing pain. And at the same time, we must do all that we can to protect against things that could cause pain. For those that are hurting, we've got to find ways to support. But at the same time, we have to work hard to make sure that we're not messing with that which is sacred we got to let kids be kids. We've got to create cultures that welcome a childlike faith, that allow us to ask questions. 
We've got to develop a, a culture in the church that doesn't need to figure it out as much as it needs to trust our good father. I think Jesus is saying here, if you want to stay young, you have to protect the innocent. Children are valuable. Those new in the faith are valuable. Those old in the faith are valuable, but we're also vulnerable. We need to heal pain and protect innocence if we want to stay young. In this pivotal passage that defines so much of what it means to live as a citizen of the kingdom of God. Jesus says, don't get caught up in the competition to be the best and the biggest and the brightest and the greatest. You stay young by turning and becoming. You stay young not by climbing the ladder, but by pursuing humility. And you stay young by protecting the innocent. We as disciples get to experience this incredible reversal in our spirit. That our spirits do not grow old, that we can stay young as children before a God. That when we die and we go to heaven and we live in eternity and we live in abundance, we do so not as people who can't, but as young children, full of life, full of energy, full of wonder, full of joy, full of grace. Because that's the way that Jesus has set up his heaven. Encouragement today for me to you is to become spiritual Benjamin Buttons. Don't get older in your spirit. Get younger. If you're getting too old in your spirit, turn around. <laughs> if you're getting too full of your own self-importance, step down. If you're living a life that's setting an example that in any way corrupts, quit. We stay forever young by being, as Jesus said, born again. Yesterday I conducted a funeral for a gentleman that some of you will know. He and his wife, Jeannie, came to our congregation for uh, a long time, Jerry and Jeannie Lutz, and Jerry passed away. Jerry's a fascinating guy, brilliant guy. M more, more degrees than we had time to list in the service yesterday, right, Al? He's an aeronautical engineer, literally, he was a rocket science. And so about 10 years ago, Jerry put together a book of his life, 200 pages, front and back, eight and a half by 11, Ten years ago, he gave me a copy, and he says, Andy, I, I'm giving you this because I want you to do my funeral. I'm like, thanks, Jerry. <laughs> Love these conversations. But, you know, at the time, it was ten years ago, he was a lot younger, so I put it in a filing cabinet, and then when he passed, I pulled it out and started reading through it to prepare my remarks at the service yesterday. 
That was about 40 chapters of Jerry's brilliance. Right in the middle, I think it was a 12th chapter. It's simply titled, Born Again. It tells the story of how in the late 1960s, he went to Leesburg at a men's retreat. And he heard the gospel, the story of God's grace shared in a way that never had made sense before, but it made sense now. Even though this was the shortest chapter in his big book of greatness, it was the most important. Because Jesus says, you must become like a little child if you want to follow me. But in order to become like a little child, you must be born again. Born again, Christianity is one of those phrases that the media loves to mock. But it's one of those processes that Jesus uses because there are no other words to describe what he wants to do in us. He wants to reverse death and bring life. And if we're going to turn and become, then we must be born again. So today as we close, if you were to write a book of your life, this is the question I had. I'm sure there'd be all kinds of chapters that would be very impressive. But is there a chapter in your book that can have that very simple title, Born Again? Born Again. That moment when you said, I'm done with getting old, I'm done with dying, I'm done with living a life that leads to death. And I'm going to turn around in repentance and asking forgiveness and receiving grace so that I can be born again. If that chapter's not in your book, you need to write it. And you need to write it today because we never know what tomorrow is going to hold.